And it is 4.10, so uh, given that I see we have enough people for a quorum, I, I want to call this meeting to uh, order. Uh, Adam, who will be uh, reading the rules of engagement and going through roll call today? Yeah, I'll take this uh, opportunity to introduce Jared Allen, uh, who's with me tonight. He's our newest employee, uh, admin technician with uh, Lawrence Transit. So ultimately, will be our uh, front desk person when Central Station opens, uh, the new facility, helping with customer service over there. But we've got plenty of customer service needs today and um, some other admin duties and, and customer interactions. So um, Jared's who we have with us, and he'll be helping... Uh, Read the minute or read some of the early material and get us going tonight. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Uh, could you go through the rules of engagement for this meeting and then a roll call of uh, committee members, please? Yes. Good evening. My name is Jared Allen, administrative technician, Lawrence Transit. With me here is Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. He will work alongside Mike Wazikowski to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. And now I will do roll call. Lance Fay. Here. Austin Stifler. Present. Mike Wazikowski. Here. Foster Spicinger. I do not see them on the line. Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory Critchlow. I do not see Greg on the line. Bill Wilson. Uh, present. August Rudisell. Here. <clears throat> Freddie Gipp. I do not see Freddie on the line. But uh, that said, uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six members of PTAC here. So we have a quorum and this is an official meeting. So uh, thank you to everyone for your attendance today. Uh, now that we have called meeting to order, the uh, first item on our agenda is public comment. Uh, first, I'd like to check the room. Uh, is there anyone in? I do not see anyone in the hall. Okay, so we will go to uh, calls from people online. And I see JT Thornburg raising his hand. So JT, you have the floor for uh, <clears throat> a few minutes. I, I'd like you to know how wonderful it is to see numbers on the back of the new buses. <clears throat> when I began riding the bus years ago, I was surprised to find I needed to learn to ride the bus and one of the detriments was no numbers on the back of the bus, especially when I was making connections. Occasionally I would miss a bus or get very confused. And it's just, it's really neat to see those numbers. I want to thank you. 
Uh, thanks for that comment, JT. And I, I chip in on that as well. In fact, I took a ride using the buses uh, last weekend to go downtown and try out the electric ones. And it really helped for me to know that the electric buses are numbered 600 through, I think, 604 right now. So I knew exactly what routes to try out. So thank you for that information. Uh, is there anyone else who uh, would like to provide co public comment on the line at this time? Okay. Uh, hearing nobody, uh, we will proceed then to the next agenda item, <clears throat> which is approval of the minutes from our November meeting. Yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully everyone has had an opportunity to review those uh, minutes. And uh, as always, I will offer everyone three opportunities to uh, chime in and provide updates about uh, different items. Uh, the one thing that I will note off the top of my head is I see under item E, Lance Fahey's last name is spelled incorrectly. So we'll need to update that. Oh, did they put an E in it again? <laughs> uh, so given that, that was the only update I had, I will then offer three times. First, does anyone in PTAC have any amendments to offer to the minutes? from the November meeting. Second call, does any PTAC member have amendments to offer to the minutes from the November meeting? Last call, does anyone have amendments to offer to the minutes for the November meeting? Okay. Hearing none, the uh, minutes are deemed approved by unanimous consent. <clears throat> uh, first regular item on the agenda is uh, electric bus performance data, which uh, CTE has some slides that they're here presenting. I see a couple people, uh, Maggie and Stephen, on the line from CTE. So uh, you two have the floor. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Steve Claremont, Director of Planning and Deployment for CTE, the Center for Transportation and the Environment. And I'm joined today by Maggie Madre, who is the project manager for the uh, Lawrence Transit uh, Battery Electric Bus Project. Um, we've prepared, and I, when I say we prepared, I really mean Maggie prepared a series of slides for you today to go through some of the performance uh, that we've seen to date. Um, Maggie, next slide. Um, but before we get into that, in case you're not familiar with CT, the Center for Transportation and the Environment, let me just uh, take a few minutes to introduce ourselves. Uh, we are a nonprofit engineering and planning firm. Um, which is kind of an odd combination, um, but we've been operating for about 30 years and being a nonprofit allows us to um, take federal dollars and or um, be directly funded by organizations like the FTA or the Department of Energy, Department of Defense, um, kind of any of the three letter acronyms operating out of DC these days. Um, we do specifically operate in the zero emission technology space um, providing project management and technical assistance services to not only transit agencies, but um, any um, public or commercial fleet operating um, 
a series of medium to heavy duty buses. Um, you can see kind of some of our projects highlighted across the country uh, where we've helped uh, transit agencies get uh, federal funding and then help them with uh, deploying projects, uh, deploying battery electric or hydrogen fuel cell buses. Next slide. Uh, we'll turn it over to Maggie. All right, thanks, Steve. Hey, everyone. Um, like Steve mentioned, I'm Maggie Madry. I'm the project manager for Lawrence on a couple of different electrification projects. So just wanted to first start out by just providing a quick overview um, of the different electrification phases um, currently underway and in the near future. Um, so we, CTE is supporting um, Lawrence in each of these three phases presented here. Um, Lawrence has been able to, to pursue these different phases through because of FTA's low or no emission um, grants, which Lawrence has received three of to date. So the first phase listed here, um, Lawrence, through that phase, Lawrence received five Gillig electric buses um, and charging infrastructure from ChargePoint. And so those buses were deployed at the end of August, um, earlier, a little bit earlier this year. And we're currently now, CT is currently now collecting performance data um, on those buses and generating a series of KPI um, or key performance indicators in order to help validate the performance of those buses. And so we're gonna um, show a few of those KPIs later on in this presentation. But that's a little bit of overview of phase one. Phase two electrification um, is in the beginning phases. Right now, Lawrence is working on getting under contract with Gillig and ChargePoint once again. And so this time they'll be procuring two more Gillig buses, electric buses. Um, these will have a larger battery capacity than the current five that they have right now. Um, but those buses are expected to be delivered sometime in 2023. Um, and then phase three, they Lawrence will be procuring four more electric vehicles. Two of those are gonna be full-size transit buses. Um, this time they'll be manufactured by Proterra. And then the other two electric vehicles through this phase are going to be electric cutaways, which will be manufactured by Optimal. Um, and so those, those buses and charging infrastructure, that's expected to be um, deployed in 2024. So that's a, a brief overview of the different phases that Lawrence has going on right now and um, each of these phases CTE is involved in. So like I said, we're going to go through a couple of the KPIs um, that we have been presenting on for now two months. And so here, here's a list of um, all the different KPIs that we're currently tracking and reporting on specifically for, for Lawrence, but we're going to focus on these, these bolded ones up top um, for today and, and dive a little bit deeper into those. So the first one we've got here is um, average daily state of charge use. Um, You'll hear me refer to, refer to state of charge as SOC, um, but th this KPI is basically showing the daily percent state of charge that is used on the electric buses while they're in service. So you'll see that the first month of September when the buses were in service, on average, about each bus used um, 
52% of the available battery capacity each day, leaving about that yellow range in the middle, about 33% of state of charge unused. Um, and then the 15% um, amount that you see in red at the bottom, that's what we're calling the head home zone. And this is, um, this is a zone that Lawrence has identified specifically for their operations. Um, so they're, you know, Lawrence is going to work towards utilizing the electric buses more and more each day um, with the end goal of having the buses return to the depot um, with about 15% state of charge left on the buses. Um, and so Lawrence, they're currently right now, you know, you can see being a little bit conservative um, with the percent state of charge that they use each day as everyone's getting used to operating these buses. Um, you know, it's a little different one than what they're used to, but throughout the deployment, um, they're planning to push closer to that head home zone of, of about 15% remaining on the dash when, when they get these buses back to the depot at the end of the day. Um, so you can see, you know, already from September to October, right, they've increased that daily average SOC used. Any questions? Yeah, I'll open it up because I do have one, but I want to see if anyone else has questions first. Does anybody in PTAC or other attendees have questions? Oh, just Rudis, I'll uh, PTAC. And I don't know if this is the time uh, you can tell me if I need to wait, Maggie. I'm curious about what the ADA ramps do as far as drainage on the battery when they deploy and, and re retract. Yeah, we we can ask that now, um, and Steve will probably have more to add. But those um, kind of auxiliary things they're they're not going to drain the the battery um, significantly. I don't know. You know, we don't have a specific KPI that's going to to track that, um, but it's not a significant. Um, drain on the battery. Steve, I don't know if you have any more specifics you can uh, add My there. question is how powerful is that motor? That's going to tell you what the drain would be off it. But right. it's probably not anywhere close to the power of the motor that you use to actually drive the vehicle. C certainly, yeah, certainly not. Um, and, you know, there are really two major things that we track or look at for efficiency that are the primary draws. And that's going to be, as you said, the traction motor as well as um, the the heating element or the air conditioning. Um, so when we do our modeling, um, we'll specifically um, look at those two elements. Um, everything else that's operating on the buses, there is a power draw, but it's 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 not going to have a dramatic impact on efficiency or range. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Steve. Does anyone else have questions in PTAC or members of the audience? Uh, Lance Faye, Vice Chair PTAC. Do you happen to have or be able to direct me to uh, uh, a picture of the proposed cutaways, electric cutaways that we'll be using and any details about those that might be different or advantageous to the type of cutaways that we're using now as far as their structure and their interests and exits and things like that. Um, I certainly can provide that. Our, I'm trying to think if on our website, if our, um, I can probably quickly find if we. I Googled it and I have no idea if they're anywhere close, but when she had that up on the screen, I Googled it and they look pretty much similar to what we already have and the fleet. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm just saying I already Googled it and they look very similar. 
I think my the first thing that came to my mind is um the uh yeah ramp or ADA access on on the cutaways. Just curious what what that would look like and if it'd be different. Um just so we don't have any info on our website right now. It's uh, Optimal S1LF is the name of that vehicle. It's a purpose-built electric cutaway um, with its low floor and has a ramp. Um, so that's certainly certainly something we can email out or you can Google that. But I can, um, for now, just throw it in the chat for those able to access that. Uh, thank you for that. Does anybody else, P-TECH-wise, have comments, questions, or concerns at this time? Okay, the uh, one question I had was uh, my experience with electric driving has been that the two biggest factors that impact the efficiency of the vehicle are the speed that you're driving at, as well as the weather, like in particular, the ambient temperature. Uh, so it, would you be able to add that kind of information on an average basis to these graphics in the future to help us interpret the information better? Yeah, I mean, um, we do have, um, I'm not sure it's on one of our slides here, but we do track weather because you're exactly right. Um, you know, generally what we see with when we compare um, efficiency with um, temperature, it's kind of a, you know, inverse sine wave with yeah. each one of them. So. Uh, does really does really well between like forty and eighty degrees Fahrenheit, and then starts to crap yeah. the bucket after that. Spring and fall are great. Winter is horrible, and then uh, summer can be okay. Um, but but you're exactly right. And then yeah, as far as speed, what we do is we we we, tr we can track efficiency um, for each route, and then each route already has kind of its designated standard average speed, so we can make that correlation there. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you. That's all I have at this time. Okay. Just a side note on this particular slide again. Um, um, what we like to see over time is that there's that you're able to use more of that SOC um, because if you're getting um, both a, a financial benefit as well as a um, environmental benefit from using the electric buses, Obviously, that's what you want to do. Use these as much as possible. But this is fairly common for uh, initial deployments. Um, this is kind of the range we see most people operating in when they're first deploying buses. And then these numbers start slowly improving as everyone gets starts feeling more comfortable with the operation of them. All right. Thanks, Steve. Okay, we'll move on to the next one that we'll show. Um, so distance driven through transportation disadvantage zones. I'm going to pause here, let Adam give a brief summary um, of these zones. Yeah, I just wanted to orient PTAC to uh, what transportation disadvantage zones are. So this is a locally developed equity um, tool from our MPO. So you may have heard of environmental justice zones, which primarily looks at um, low income areas of town, as well as areas of higher uh, propensity of minorities. Um, this includes both of those um, demographics, as well as um, households that have individuals who have disabilities, people with less than a high school education, 
single parent households, households without vehicles, and both um, people very young, less than 18 or over 65. So it essentially uh, looks at kind of all these different factors that can lead um, people to be uh, more likely to have challenges with transportation and maps that across our city. So it's a little more refined look at where um, people in Lawrence might have a more difficult time getting around. And it's areas that we want to have intentionality in serving with transit. So one of the things we asked uh, CTE to do was to, um, and Maggie will walk through this, but uh, kind of evaluate how much we're using our electric vehicles in and around those transportation disadvantage zones compared to the rest of the city so that we um, so that we know we're treating uh, people in these areas fairly compared to, to areas that may be less transportation disadvantaged. Adam, can you explain why West Campus is so heavily included in what I believe is the non-disadvantage, or wait, but I guess what are the difference in the colors? So uh, TD zones are done on a scoring basis. So they, they can score anywhere from zero all the way up to 12. And I believe here we've um, highlighted those areas that are six or above, I think is where our cutoff was. So the lighter, um, the lighter red areas are gonna be scoring between six and nine points um, on the scoring model. And the darker red are gonna be uh, nine to 12 points. So, um, you know, things can always get a little bit tricky when you're breaking it down by uh, census block groups. In the case of campus, that one always tends to show up a little funny uh, because of the way the census blocks are, are drawn. But um, that one's definitely driven by that youth factor um, that, that tends to show up in that area. And, um, and some of that single parent households can be just a little skewed in, um, in this sort of area. So uh, yeah, that's, that's maybe a, a block group you wouldn't necessarily expect to show up as as much as some others, but it, it tends to when we do this type of data analysis. Thank you. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what's going to happen when we put the central station right smack dab in that block there. <clears throat> yeah, certainly serving it directly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Lance Fay, Vice Chair PTAC. Um, uh, something else to keep in mind as these are being determined um, is that um, there are some fairly large apartment complexes in some of these areas that do, in fact, have ADA accessible and work with um, people with disabilities. Uh, so you might be surprised to find how many people that would uh, fit into the demographic that are out in those areas. Um, having ridden the buses. Um, so it it makes sense to me from that perspective. Okay. Um, Adam, you, you want me to go now? Yeah. Go okay. Um, all right. So, so what we've done um, for this KPI is we've calculated what percentage um, each route goes through these TD zones that are specified here. So, you know, like Adam mentioned, the TD zones are gonna be the dark red and the light red areas on here. And um, this line coming through is, uh, I believe this is route 10. Um, so the electric buses in October ran on route 10 and route one. Um, and so, 
what we've what we've done for each of these is, is like when I when I say it is calculate you know what percentage of that route is going through or alongside these these zones, um, and so that's route ten, and then route one um, is shown here. And so, you know, we take the total number of, of electric miles driven on each of these specific routes for each month, um, and we determine the number of those miles that then went through um, the zones. And so on, the, on this next slide here, I'll have more of some summaries, summary numbers. Um, so we compare that number of miles um, that they, that the buses went through um, the TD zones. And we compare that to the total revenue service miles driven by the electric buses in each month um, in order to get a percentage of revenue service um, BEB miles, battery electric bus miles that were driven in the TD zones. And so you can see, you know, we've done it for September and October so far. Um, so about 61%. And in September, it, the buses drove, Adam, you're gonna have to help me um, I believe they drove on one, seven, ten. Um, yeah, primarily on one. Okay. Um, you know, so right now, Lawrence is kind of trying the buses out on different routes. So this is going to change um, a month to month. But what we can see, you know, September, about 61% of um, the revenue service electric miles were driven in those zones. And then October, about 51%. And what we've done is associate that, associate that with metric tons of greenhouse gases that were avoided in these transportation disadvantage zones by driving electric buses and them instead of diesel buses. Um, so we'll continue to track this month to month. Um, but but yeah, this is this has been a, a KPI that's pretty important to Lawrence um, as they want to track this um, in both TD zones and some and. EJ zones as well. But um, yeah, Adam, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add to this one. I guess the only caveat I would add is we are still very much in the exploration phase, trying out buses on many different routes. We do um, ultimately want to make sure once we're, uh, once we have good data across the system that we're putting buses in places that make um, equal or better impact for folks that are in, in disadvantaged areas. So that's our, our goal in tracking this, just to keep us honest on um, how we're deploying our resources. Any questions from anybody on this one? Yeah, PTAC members, does anyone have a comment, question, or concern about this slide info? Only thing I'll jump in on is uh, good use of that A-Fleet tool. That's one of the few that I'd seen that actually applies to heavy-duty vehicles, where everything else I've seen has always been <clears throat> passenger cars, which is not an equivalent use case. So thank you. All right. Next one we've got here is fuel cost per mile. Um, so you know here we're showing. Um, the fuel cost per mile for Lawrence is different fleet types. So you've got the diesel fleet in the blue, um, gasoline in, in gray, and electric in green. Um, so you can see that the electric cost is below that of diesel and gasoline, um, which we we expect to continue continue seeing that throughout the deployment. Um, you know, one of the often one of the benefits of going electric is this decreased fuel cost um, per mile. You're not going to see it everywhere, 
across the U.S., depending on the different um, electricity costs and rate structures. But it seems that Lawrence has a pretty pretty beneficial um, electric rate for running these electric buses. Um, so hopefully continue to see month to month this, this lower fuel cost per mile as compared to the other fleets. Any questions? Well, before we continue, um, yep. Adam, does this account for the uh, deal that the city has to purchase electricity through Evergy at the preferential wind rate or something? I can't remember what the exact specific is on that. So our electric costs here are, um, Evergy has a specific to transit electric vehicle rate that we get from a separate separate meter that's out at the facility that leads to all of our charging infrastructure. So um, that's where this rate ends up. There's okay. there's um, there's not an overlay on that that we are that we specifically ask for that electricity to be uh, wind or solar. Um, I'm not sure that Evergy would offer us the same transit electric rate with any additional overlay like that on top of it. Okay, understood. Thank you. Any other questions on this one before we move to the next? All right. So next we've got maintenance cost per mile. Um, <clears throat> So again, you've got the diesel compared to the gasoline compared to the electric. Um, and, you know, although a lot of electric deployments are still in kind of early stages of deployment um, and the maintenance details are, are still becoming apparent, we, we do expect to see lower maintenance costs for the electric fleet. Um, as compared to the diesel and the gasoline. So we might not see it as low as what October is showing. That that's that's really low, um, which is great, but um it, it you know might not expect it to see that expect it to be that low throughout the course of the deployment. Um, but you know, things such as propulsion related maintenance for electric, um, so electric propulsion systems, they're gonna be they're more efficient and they have fewer moving parts compared to that um, of internal combustion engines. And so that helps with the decreased maintenance costs. Um, in addition, like the lack of an internal combustion engine, right, means that there isn't gonna be a need for oil changes. And um, the use of regenerative braking on electric buses is typically gonna lengthen that the life of of brake pads, which again is going to help with maintenance costs. Um, so those are just a few few ways that electric maintenance costs can be lower. Um, so so yeah, we expect we expect lower maintenance costs throughout the rest of the deployment. Um, but again, October is is pretty low, um, and it might not be that low throughout the rest. Um, but yeah, any questions on maintenance costs? I'll just move to sell stack. Are the charger stations between the Gilleg, the Proterra, and the Optima, are they compatible with each other or are they uh, brand specific, I guess? Uh, I could chip in. I know they're all CCS plugs. They're the same plug and it's basically designed to be the equivalent of uh, you, you plug, use the same fuel pump to put in your gas as long as it's unleaded or diesel, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, they all adhere to a um, an SAE J1772 standard, um, so they are all compatible. Um, 
we we did have some issues in the past where um, even though they the bus met the standard or the charger met the standard, they still still didn't work together because there's some um, software programming that may need to take place in the background. But we do know that the the, the charge point chargers that you have, um, we've seen them previously work with both um, Gillig and Proterra buses at at other locations. Um, I, I'm not seeing it with the optimal yet, but I don't anticipate any, any issues. And if, if there are, again, they can fix it within a, a day or two to reset the programming. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Stephen. Steve. Thank you, Mike. <coughs> any more questions here? All right. Next one, we've got emission savings. Um, so we always like to track emission savings that agent, agencies are going to experience um, with the deployment of electric buses. So here you'll see that from September through October, um, Lawrence's electric buses have traveled just over 17,000 miles, um, which saved over 3,000 diesel gallons from being used. Which prevents the release, which prevented the release of um, 20 metric tons of CO2 into the atmosphere, which is like reducing around 50,000 miles of passenger car travel. So we'll con we'll continue to track this throughout the deployment, um, and you know all of these numbers will continue to rise as as those electric buses get get more and more miles um, on the road. So this is this is the last um, KPI that we've that we're going to show today. Um, and like I said, you know, this is just for the first two months of the deployment of these buses. So we're going to get a lot more data over the coming months and continue to to track these KPIs and um, report on them. Um, so I'm sure we'll we'll present some more results to you guys at some point. But any any other questions? Uh, thanks, Stephen, Maggie. Um... Anybody in PTAC or attendees meeting, do you have questions for Stephen and Maggie here? Very none. Um, the only real question I have, Adam, is I know that we've started doing uh, or deploying the electric vehicles along Route 6 for the last handful of weeks. Uh, or, or what's the plan after that? What are we going to try and route them on next? Yeah, so we have them run them on Route 6. We'll see some of that data show up in, uh, in the next report that CT helps us put together. Um, we faced some challenges on some of our other routes with some turning movements for 40 foot buses. So we're working with first transits team to um, see the feasibility of deploying on, on other routes, or if we need to uh, cycle back through some of those routes that we've already been on. Um, you know, I think we, we've talked about route seven as one that runs through a lot of the transportation disadvantage zones. There are a couple of tricky turning movements though. So we have, um, we have run them on that route before, not, not for full days, for partial days. Um, so we just need to, um, keep discussing what, what our comfort level is on a couple of these routes and, um, make sure we're putting them out where, where we're not putting bus operators in a tough spot. Um, but what, yeah, it's our, it's our hope to, Keep spreading them around. Um, I, you know, we one of the KPIs that we are tracking that um, 
didn't show up in tonight's presentation, but you know, we'll, we'll start making all this more public as we get more months under our belt, um, is looking at ridership of people riding battery electric buses versus non-battery electric buses. And um, certainly Route 10 that crosses campus um, is, is catching a lot of ridership mm -hmm. um, and it travels through some, some transportation disadvantage zones. So, um, you know, in addition to the equity reasons of trying to go through TD zones, we also would like many different rider groups across the city to have experience with, with what it's like being on an electric bus. So. We're trying to think about that too, um, as far as getting more people the, the opportunity to to ride one for their their regular trips that they take. I would I would also add, you know, um, so tonight we looked at five KPIs. I think we're I'd have to look back at our original list, but I think we're in the the neighborhood of fifteen total. Yeah. Uh, um, Maggie, minutes. could you go back to that list? Yeah. And um, just wanted to note that we. After we get just a, a few more, you know, maybe a couple more months under our belt and have some comfort with, um, you know, how we're seeing the data move and are there any tweaks we need to make, we do plan to make monthly um, KPI reports available on the project website so people can see how this project is going, you know, outside of a special PTAC meeting. Um, so just know that that's coming down the road. We just are working with CTE to make sure we're all comfortable with um our data sources and how they're getting displayed and, and how it's all coming together in the context of this report. How does the maintenance team had to be adjusted or be up trained for these type of buses? I assume it's been going on indefinitely since electric buses were even discussed, but now that we're going to be up to 12 buses, the math is uh, We'll have 11 at the 11? end of phase three right now. And I'm sorry, August, did you ask about training? Is that what your question yeah, was? Yeah, just, just how, how how difficult has it been or how much do you anticipate needed in the future? You know, our, our first transit team has been really proactive in this space. So we, we of course, worked with Gillig to try to get as much information ahead of the bus's arrivals, you know, um, uh, maintenance books and preventative maintenance books and things like that. Our team traveled up to Kansas City to talk with that whole maintenance shop because they had the same 40-foot Gillig electric buses that we got. Um, so we learned some information there. Uh, there's been regional first transit teams come out and train our local team um, and help us, you know, get some different equipment, um, you know, composite boots instead of steel-toed boots for the shop, you know, things like that, PPE that uh, that just comes along with electric buses. Uh, Gillig had specific courses when they came out that they taught, you know, four hour, eight hour, uh, 24 hour, meaning three, eight hour days, um, courses that they did with drivers and with maintenance staff um, to become familiar and kind of know how all the pieces worked. And we'll expect the same type of thing to be happening with our next deployment um, of Gillig's and then also the the two additional vendors that we'll see a couple of years from now. Um, we we've all you know in a, in our application process have asked a lot of questions about what training is going to look like and have programmed uh, money for it. Mm -hmm. So um, we're just we're kind of trying to soak in anything we can get both from that those empirical methods where we're talking with other maintenance shops that have done this before, as well as directly with the vendors um, and having their their folks teach us. 
I know you mentioned Kansas City. Have we talked with the airport crew? Because I know they're operating some electric buses on the uh, blue economy lines as well to circulate people between terminals and the uh, public parking or public economy parking areas. We've not coordinated with MCI. They uh, they run BYDs, so they run a different um, a different vendor of bus on on those routes. So. Uh, there hasn't been as much of an overlap on, you know, kind of exactly what we might learn from them. Not that there's not something still to learn from people who've mm -hmm. been, been working on these for a couple of years, but um, it's yeah, different equipment, even if it's very similar technology. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Just Al Ackland, PTAC member. Uh, are you going to have a total cost uh, um, KPI? So help me understand, I guess. Um, so we do fuel costs, we do maintenance. Are you are you thinking about other costs? I'm, I'm talking a cold total cost, like the the cost to buy a gas, diesel, versus an electric, and then an overall, you know, if you operate them for three or five years, what's what's your total cost investment over that period? Gotcha. I don't think we, we haven't asked CTE to do that. You know, we certainly have done just in our um our Lono application project budgets, you know, with, with the high federal share that we get through that for the upfront capital cost, our our purchase cost is lower than a diesel bus. We've got yeah. some of those numbers just in internal spreadsheets, but not not kind of in a public um, tracking like this. Yeah, I'd be interested in, in the overall. If you you know, if you throw out the, the the tax money, just you know, if you're going out as an individual or something, they have to buy them, you know out of your own pocket what's the what's your overall cost for for operation with without any federal uh, tax money or offsets yeah and generally we you know we'll do those type of uh total cost of ownership analysis with a uh, you know transition planning um you know and generally what we find is you know even though you are having some savings with uh, your fuel costs, you know, being electricity, and hopefully with maintenance costs as well. Um, generally, it's not enough to offset the in incremental capital cost of uh, for the buses. You know, incremental capital costs of, of um, buses as well as for charging infrastructure. Um, but you might get a little bit closer than most people because it is a lot more beneficial where you are than than for other agencies. Yeah, we definitely have low electricity costs in this region. I, uh, anecdotally, not on buses, but uh, some people that I know who drive electric vehicles and, for example, Maine have reported that they pay more on their fuel cost because the cost of gas there is relatively low compared to the rest of the country and electricity is through the roof. So we're very fortunate to be in an area where our electricity makes it so that the ongoing cost of operating at these buses is better than uh, running a diesel or a hybrid one. We did, yeah, Steve mentioned the transition plan. So worth noting that we did, um, as part of state grants last year, were awarded funds for a zero emission transition plan. We haven't had those funds uh, released to us yet by KDOT, but that is a process we plan to go through, um, hopefully in calendar year 2023, 
help us figure out what our long-term strategy looks like. And that certainly is going to um, include total cost of ownership um, models and analysis. So, because uh, it's, it's a whole different animal once we get past 11 buses and we're, when we're talking about 25 or 50 or, you know, inclusive of KU, close to 100 buses. Um, that's, that's a lot of infrastructure and a lot of um, upfront capital that we would need to to line out and and make sure we know um, what we're headed towards budgetarily. Do any other PTAC members or uh, oh, do any other PTAC members or uh, members of the audience have questions, comments, concerns? Sorry, Alan, do you have something else? I saw you. I think he was saying thanks. Mm -hmm. Oh. I didn't mean to interrupt you, by the way. Yeah, I'll ask him, Yeah, I'm just saying thanks. Mm -hmm. Okay, hearing none, uh, thank you, Maggie and Stephen, for your time today and the useful information. Perfect. Thank you for your time and have a great evening. Okay. Um, Next item on the agenda then is any PTAC member items since we are done with our regular agenda. So uh, put that out to those of you assembled. Do you have any uh, items that you would like to discuss at this time or that you'd like us to add to our agenda in January, 2023 to discuss? August Municipal PTAC, this may have already been discussed. What happens to the student fee that the KU students pay for this year and next year uh, regarding the, the fair free trial i guess i mark greta defries oh, yeah, transportation services all right i didn't see you on the call it's okay i had my video off while i was uh listening in on that part of the report um the student fees fund the university routes and so uh students have been riding fare free since 2008 but basically the difference for them will be that they won't need to pull out their ID to board any buses off campus and their fee will continue to fund the KU routes and a portion of the coordinated routes. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, August and Margareta. Anybody else in PTAC have any uh, items that they want to ask about now or agenda work session items they'd like to add to January's meeting. Okay, um, hearing nothing, just reminder as always, you can email uh, myself and Adam and Lance, although that's gonna change in the next few weeks, I think. Um, but if you email us and you have something you'd like us to discuss in the future, we will definitely consider that and add it to our agendas as needed. Uh, so next item then will be transit staff items. Uh, Adam, looks like there are two uh, things you wanted to mention to us. Yeah, a couple things to touch on. Um, so the first item is about Central Station and contractor award. Um, so I had that listed here that we're planning to take that award on uh, next week's City Commission agenda item. I will say we are working through some um, a couple of concerns related to the legal agreements with KU and KU Endowment. So uh, I'm not 
100% sure that date's going to hold. Uh, we're, we're still trying to push towards that with our, our partners over at KU, but um, just want to mention that uh, that's currently slated for December 20th for us to award that um, contract, and we're, we're still trying to make that, um, uh, but may need to uh, adjust a little bit as we work towards those, those final legal agreements. Um, the other bullet that you alluded to there, Mike, is I just wanted to put this on the agenda now to get uh, a portion of the discomfort out of the way and get people thinking about if they uh, are or are not willing to be chair or vice chair for next year. So um, we'll talk about that at our January meeting, but I wanted um, you all to start thinking about if um, if you're willing to do that or if you uh, think somebody else on the team would be willing to do that, uh, we'll, we'll try to get uh, those voted on in January. Thank you, Adam. Uh, I'll just uh, chime in first thing with the uh, central station thing. Is that anticipated to be a part of the consent agenda then? It would be, yep. So the, the contractor award would be part of the bid items section and then the legal agreements, if we can get those on there, would just be part of the general consent section. Okay. So both of them are consent, but just different uh, sections of it. Thank you. Uh, and then the other thing in terms of chair and vice chair elections, uh, I'll take this opportunity. Um, I know that we have a few people on the uh, committee whose terms are at least this current term is expiring. Uh, Bill Wilson, Austin Stifler, Lance Fay, um, all of you, I, I believe all of you are eligible to uh, serve another term if you so desire and the mayor would like to reappoint you. Uh, if you do want to serve again, I hardly encourage you to do so because I enjoyed working with you. Um, but if not, I do appreciate your effort and your attention to improving Lawrence Transit and K1 Wheels service and our responsiveness to our riders' needs over the last uh, year term. And I wish you the best in the future. Um, in terms of chair elections, uh, I think it's rather gauche for me to say that I'm going to nominate myself, but I would welcome someone nominating me for another term as I've really enjoyed it and I look forward to the opportunity to contribute to Lawrence Transit success going forward. Um, in that, we are at the end of our agenda. So I'll give everybody one last opportunity before we break until the new year. Does anyone else, anyone have anything that they would like to say before we adjourn? That looks like a lot of mute signs, so I will take that as nothing. Uh, with that, then, we will meet on January 9th, uh, same time and place. Uh, we will probably have potentially some new members, potentially some returning members. Um, Look forward to seeing you then. Uh, Lance, if you want to bang the gavel, you feel free to. This time. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Have a great uh, evening, everyone. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Adam. Thank you.